Welcome back, everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. I took a two-week break. It was my birthday and then Christmas, and it doesn't matter. I'm back. I'm better than ever. I'm excited. I'm trying new style. We're just doing opinions. You know, enough of the stats. Who cares? Y'all want to know what I think, and so I'm going to tell you what I think. Uh, first, we're going to talk some NFL. we got some playoffs. we got some NFL draft. I'll tell you what I think the top five teams in the draft should do. Then we're going to move on to hockey. we got start dates. we got the divisions. Uh, we got the schedule out. It's going to be an exciting one. And then I think we're going to move on to baseball after that, talk Slam Diego Padres. Uh, not only about how many slam grand slams they like to hit, but who they traded for and uh, what their rotation is going to look like in the future. And then we'll talk college sports. Uh, I give my opinion on the playoffs. And then uh, we'll talk a little bit of college basketball. I haven't watched much, late, much lately. All I know is that Gonzaga and Baylor are the two best teams. You know, have a great, I had a great episode. I hope you all enjoyed as much as I did. And, you know, have a good listen. Let's start off with some wild card talk. Uh, we'll start in the AFC. There's five teams fighting for four spots. Um, so the teams in the fourth seed, you have Tennessee, and then following would be Miami, Baltimore, Cleveland, and Indianapolis. Now, Indianapolis and Tennessee are both, all five of these teams are 10 and 5. But uh, so Tennessee has a tiebreaker over Indianapolis. Both of them should get a win as they're playing. Tennessee's playing the Texans. Indianapolis is playing Jacksonville. So both of them should get a win. And Indian Indianapolis is out of the playoffs right now. But a loss by Baltimore, Miami, or Cleveland will put them in as long as they win. And that's probably going to happen. Um, so we'll start. We'll go to the seventh seed, which is Cleveland. They're playing Pittsburgh at home. Uh, this game's kind of a toss-up. It could go either way. Big Ben is sitting out, so you know I'm kind of leaving, leaning on Cleveland to win. But it, still, it's division game, it, and it's the Browns. Uh, yeah, they got they're ten and five, but they just they have a weird history. And if they somehow lose this game and fall the playoffs last second, it would be a pretty Browns thing to do. At number six, we have Baltimore. They're probably pretty safe. They're traveling to Cincinnati to play the Bengals. If they win, they're in. If they lose, uh, they're probably still in just because... Oh, no. If they lose, they're, they'll probably be out as long as Cleveland wins. Um, this And this is where it comes in. Like This is where it's good for Miami. So Miami's at number five right now, and they play at Buffalo. So they're probably going to lose, right? But they are the five seed, so they have a tiebreaker over the, uh, the Colts, the Browns. They might have one over the Titans, and they also have one over the Ravens. The only difference is the Titans are winning their division right now. But they have a tiebreaker over at least three of the four teams in those final spots. So if they lose, they have a decent chance of still making it as long as one of the other teams lose. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it does not look good for them. I mean, Tennessee's playing Houston. They'll probably win. Indianapolis playing Jacksonville. They'll probably win. Baltimore's playing Cincinnati. They'll probably win. And then Cleveland's playing Pittsburgh without Ben Roethlisberger. So, you know, and Miami has to play Buffalo. It just kind of sucks. Uh, you know, if they really want to go to the playoffs, I think they it, – it's tough to say because, like, you, you say, if you're a Dolphins fan, put in Fitzpatrick, right, just because he gives you the best chance to win now. But – 
maybe he stunts to his growth, and that's the future, right? Because if you think about what happened this past weekend, Tua was playing terrible, and they brought in Fitzpatrick. And, yeah, I mean, it's good for the team right now, but, I mean, Tua's got to be able to pull the team out of those situations by himself. So it just kind of does it stun his growth. You would think so. I mean, who we don't really know, but it's just if you're going to start Tua, let him just play the whole thing unless he gets hurt. I mean, let him deal with losing a game when he's not playing good. Like it's it, you have Fitzpatrick in there to come back and you know dig dig him out of holes and use some of his magic when he has to. But you know how much of that is affecting Tua mentally and just emotionally? It's going to take a toll. Uh, so if you really want to make the playoffs, uh, if you're all about this year making the playoffs, put in Fitzpatrick. If you're going for the future, you know. Put into a let him lose a game, or I mean let him be a hero and win the game. But if he loses, you're you're not in the playoffs, but you're probably not going to win the Super Bowl anyways. You get a better draft pick, and you know like like I said, you let Tua go in there and lose a game that you know could take his team to the playoffs. Give let him give that feeling. Let him know what it feels like. Um, moving on to the uh, NFC, so this one is. A little more the the teams we all we all know that the teams in it it's a uh, more of the seating is off, um. But Green Bay is number one. Then following that you got New Orleans, Seattle, and Washington all winning their divisions. In the wild card you got Tampa Bay, the Rams, and the Bears. And then the eight seed looking for that last spot would be the Cardinals. Um. So Green Bay's playing Chicago. They'll probably get a win, secure the number one seed. New Orleans playing Carolina, they'll probably secure the two seed. Um, Seattle's traveling to San Francisco, and uh, it's kind of weird because I mean, so it's division game. San Francisco is one of those teams this year that we know how good they can be. They're just all hurt, um, so that game's kind of a toss up. I do believe it doesn't matter for Seattle. I think they're I think they've won the division already, but. If they do lose, and let's say New Orleans loses, then they're going to stay this three seed instead of moving up to the two. Um, in the four seed, is right now it's Washington. We'll get to that in a second, though. That division, obviously, we all know is a mess. Um, Tampa Bay is the five seed. Uh, New Orleans already won the division, I'm pretty sure. They're going to play at home versus Atlanta. They'll, I mean, I'm sure they'll get a win. Uh, six seed, you got the Rams versus the Cardinals uh, in Arizona. So... I mean, we've seen the Rams and Cardinals play once this year already. Uh, this I is going to be really weird because neither starting quarterback is playing. Uh, the Rams and the Cardinals both are using backup quarterbacks, and I don't even think they're like the designated second stringers. I think the Rams picked up some dude from the practice squad, and I don't I don't remember who Arizona's starting. So it's kind of weird for both of them, but I mean. That game should at least be exciting because it's kind of for a playoff spot. Um, Arizona needs to win because they're not even in the playoffs right now. Uh, LA might be able to lose and still make the playoffs if Chicago loses, which you know Chicago probably will. They're playing, they're playing Green Bay, but um, yeah, the NFC playoff, the seeding in the NFC playoffs are all a mess right now. Um, here's where it does. It's kind of weird how the NFC East is turning out to be the most interesting division. 
Um, the Eagles are eliminated, but um, Washington... Okay, so the Giants play the Cowboys on uh, Sunday morning at 12. Um, whoever wins will win the division at that moment, but they have to wait for Washington and the Eagles to play Sunday night. So if Washington wins Sunday night, they're in. It, it doesn't matter what happens, they're in. Um, if they lose, though, the winner of the Giants and Dallas game will move into that fourth seed and they, they'll win the division. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Washington might be starting Alex Smith. I, he's obviously he's trying to he's trying to get healthy and ready to play. He, they just don't know how he's feeling. He'll probably be, you know, close to game time or maybe the night before. Um, but even without him, I still think they have a decent chance. Uh, yeah, Philadelphia is, you know very they're hard to they're hard to not stop but what's the word they're kind of confusing right now you know Jalen Hurts is being dynamic playmaker on offense something Carson Wentz wasn't being able to wasn't able to do this season uh he doesn't have a lot of film on him but Washington does have you know a great defense or or a great front seven I I should say uh so yeah, maybe they can find find out something and kind of stop Wentz and get the win, even if Alex Smith isn't playing. Um, I think Terry McLaurin is going to be back. I do not know about their running back, but they do have Ms. McKissick there to back up, who, by the way, made a great catch last week. Um, but yeah, NFC playoffs are, you know, they're, they're uh, picking up and kind of getting interesting. Um, moving on to the NFL draft, as we know, Jacksonville secured the number one spot. So they're, I mean, they're getting Trevor Lawrence. Uh, they're getting a new GM and a new head coach, and there's no way they trade out of that spot or drafts any, anyone else. And unlike most teams that do get quarterbacks, I think Jacksonville is ready for a quarterback. Obviously, you take Trevor Lawrence no matter who you are, what your team is. Like It doesn't matter. But most of the times, a team that's that bad needing a quarterback, they don't have a good O-line. They don't have a good running game. They, they're missing weapons on the outside. But Jacksonville actually is kind of in a decent position. Their O-line's not terrible. Uh, Cam Robinson's playing, you know, a little bit better at left tackle. Uh, they got a they got a good, you know, I'd say Pro Bowl center. Uh, I can't think of his name right now. They have a Pro Bowl center. Uh, their left guard, Andrew Norwell, you know, he, this is his second year in Jacksonville. Uh, they paid him big money. Uh, and then the right side of their line's looking decent. So they're, they're not that bad on the O-line. And then, obviously, we know what DJ Chart can do on the outside. Uh, and, you know, LaVisca Chenault's kind of just a Swiss Army knife all around on offense. Undrafted rookie James Robinson is having a phenomenal rookie season. So they, they definitely have pieces that when you put in Trevor Lawrence there, and then, you know, you add a new offensive coordinator or head coach or whatever, uh, it, it's definitely looking good for, like, how not only his development – but just, you know, how the first year could look. I mean, we're talking, if they can pull that defense, you know, a little bit together, we're talking a, at least a six-win team, you know. Uh, it's going to be, that defense is really bad right now, but if, you know, if you can find the right head coach, they can pull the defense together and, you know, help get some stops because that offense is not going to, you know, blow teams out, right? But they'll be able to get the 20 points they need, you know, a game. All right, second second pick, uh, New York Jets. Um, it's locked in. I am a believer in Sam Darnold. I mean, I've said it multiple times on the podcast. 
but if you look at like what he's had to deal with in his three years there in New York, it's not fair to him. And it, it, we've seen like the upside. We've seen his talent. If you're the Jets right here, your 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 GM's the same. They have a great GM, but uh, you're gonna have to you know get lucky with this new head coach. Uh, hopefully, find the right guy to not develop Darnold, but just you know f- build a team. You don't you're not looking for you know a quarterback guru or you know an offensive genius. You're looking for someone who knows how to keep it, keep the guys happy. You know, manage a team. Um, and if they can find that guy, I think the Jets can start to pull it together, especially with Sam Darnold at the helm. With that being said, they don't really have weapons. They have a great left tackle. Their O-line's not terrible. They're bad, but they're not terrible. But you don't have any weapons for Darnold to even really throw to besides Jameson Crowder. Uh, you know, So in this two spot, there will be teams wanting to trade up for a quarterback. It happens every year. <laughs> So the Jets could trade down and, you know, get some more draft picks to help rebuild that offense. Because think about it, the Jets are not the Jaguars. The Jaguars have talent on offense. The Jets do not. So, you know, if they if they want to either draft a receiver in that number two spot and just make sure they get the right guy, or if they want to trade down and, you know, hopefully get the guy they want anyways. Um, a lot of people are saying they're going to try to draft Panay Sewell the left tackle out of Oregon, but Mekhi Becton's been phenomenal, and I don't know if you want to move one of the, either of those guys to right tackle. Uh, I mean, you could trade down and draft, you know, another lineman maybe, get a guard or something, but I, I, I like just getting a receiver somewhere in the top five. If you if you have to trade down, go ahead, but I, I like that. Um, moving on to number three, it's the Texans pick, but uh, Miami owns it from the Laramie Tunzel trade. And it's it's not set yet, but it's looking like Miami's going to get that number three pick. Uh, so with this, you're looking at Sewell, obviously, to protect Tua. Um, or you could trade down. Sewell's not that big of a... He's not that big of a need to acquire more picks for, right? Uh, there's there's definitely... There's a left tackle out of, I believe, Northwestern that's also supposed to be really, really good. Uh, and then there's also a few more, you know, mid first round that aren't that bad. So I know Sewell's being being talked about as a generational left tackle prospect, but it's not it's not that important for number three, especially with teams trying to you know trade with you to get another pick. But depending on what the Jets do, you might want to draft your receiver there. And this is where it gets interesting because Jamar Chase is the number one receiver in the class, but Devonte Smith is not only has he had a terrific year, right? Uh, He's had a phenomenal year for Alabama. He's played with Tua for at least, I I think, two years in the past. And, uh, I mean, he's he's the Heisman favorite right now. Uh, So you could, you know, you could just say, hey, let's uh, wait to see who the first receiver's picked and we'll take the second. Or, you know, maybe... Keep your keep your foot there at number three and pick whoever you want. Um, but it will depend on what the Jets do. I mean, if the Jets trade down, you know, you'll have the first pick of a receiver, and you can honestly, you could probably just trade down and hop in front of them. Maybe if they do draft a receiver, you're probably safe to hop down anyways, and then just get the second guy. Um, number four, right now, it's pretty solid. Atlanta's going to be there at number four. 
there's there's they got to go defense. Whoever they think is the best defensive player to build around, but they're definitely thinking defense, defense, defense. I don't know how they I don't know how they can draft an offensive player. I know a lot of people are thinking, you know, draft Matt Ryan's successor. I don't think so. I mean, Matt Ryan, I believe, is 36. He's got at least four more years. Like, you don't have – and the quarterbacks of this class outside of Trevor Lawrence are not outstanding. I mean, Trey Lance has the highest ceiling, but you're – I mean, how long do you want him to sit behind Ryan and then, like, who's going to develop him? It, they're going to get a new GM and coach, and it's definitely going to depend on them. They could even trade Matt Ryan, but if I'm the Falcons here, I keep Ryan – and I just get I just get as much defense as I can this draft. Number five, you have Cincinnati. Now, earlier in the year, Cincinnati was definitely going to be the Sewell, the uh, the team that drafted Sewell. But they've won four games, and uh, Brandon Allen, I believe, has been quarterback them, and he's not looked terrible. Uh, they had a shootout this past week against the Texans, but at this number five spot. Uh, you sh- you can go O line. Like I said, if Sewell's gone, there's that left tackle out of Northwestern you could get, or you get a receiver because AJ Green is, I believe, 31 or maybe 32, playing on a franchise tag. He's probably gone as soon as he can get out of there. Uh, Tyler Boyd, he's a great receiver, arguably a number one, and then uh, T Higgins is really coming into his own. So you have two weapons if you want to add a third for Joe Burrow possibly even Jamar Chase. You know, if if Chase is available, I don't see how you don't draft him. Uh, But, I mean, we saw what those two did a year ago in college football. I mean, they had arguably the – I mean, kind of not arguably the best college football season of a quarterback wide receiver duo has ever had. Um, So, if Chase is there, you got to get him. And, yeah, there's a chance Cincinnati could trade up. You know, it it depends – obviously, every year, it depends how the draft is starting to fill out. But I, I don't see them trading up. They'd be trade down if anything. But definitely looking O line or receiver there at number five, help build that offense and then focus on the defense later. Um, with all that being said, before we move into NHL, for all you people that are not big uh, football fans but you love hockey, uh, Trevor Lawrence is the most definite number one pick than the past seven years of NHL number one overall picks. For all you football fans who don't know what I'm talking about, when it comes to the NHL draft, every year there's always a guy that, you know, he's going number one. It's not really, there's no debate about it. We all know who's going number one, right? Um, But Trevor Lawrence is more of a solid number one overall pick than any of the guys in the past, like a seven, eight years. Um, But yeah, let's, let's move on to hockey. All right, everybody. We're talking hockey. Uh, NHL, we officially have a start date. So starting January 13th, they're playing 56 games. The playoffs are going to be, you know, 16 teams, best of seven format. Um, uh, As we know, there are going to be the four temporary divisions. Uh, The top four from each division will make the playoffs. This means we're going to have four Canadian teams in it. um, so there's the East, the Central, and the West. They will each play each other eight times because there's, oh, how many is it, eight teams in each or something? Uh, and then in, there's seven Canadian teams in the Canadian, so they'll play each other nine or ten times, just depending on what the schedule looks like. Um, so I do have my picks for who I think is going to make it to the playoffs or who has the best chance, you know, looking at it. So 
for the Canadian division, obviously Edmonton and Toronto are in there. And then I'm thinking Vancouver. Uh, I think they're going to build off a strong season they had last year. And then Calgary. Uh, hopefully Calgary's star players can kind of return to their 2018-2019 form. Um, but yeah. Uh, next in the East, uh, I, I penciled in Boston, Philadelphia, and Washington real fast. It wasn't that hard. Um, I was... Last year in the playoffs, I was disappointed with Pittsburgh. I feel like they're just getting old and just kind of not in, as enjoyable to even watch and just kind of boring. And I, I wanted to put the Rangers in here because they're very exciting to watch. But I did put Pittsburgh because I think the Rangers are still a year away from really, really taking that next step. <laughs> So, yeah, in the East Division, I'm, I'm having Boston, Washington, Philadelphia, and Pittsburgh. Uh, moving over to the Central, uh, Tampa Bay and Dallas, for sure. Carolina wasn't hard to pencil in there either. And then for the fourth team, I'm taking Nashville. And these are in no particular order. These are just the four teams I think are going to, you know, come out of those divisions. Uh, and then in the West, uh, easily the Golden Knights and that Colorado Avalanche. And then... I stuck in there, St. Louis and Arizona. Um, I Arizona, St. Louis and Arizona are two teams that should make the playoffs, but could also not. They could get, well, I don't want to say upset, but another team could sneak in. But, I mean, who's really scared of, you know, the Kings, the Sharks? Uh, who I can't think of the other two teams over there. But, I mean, it's just there's not much competition in the West. There hasn't been for a while. We know that. Um, that's all the hockey talk I have today. There's not much. I mean, like I said, they're starting January 13th. Uh, there's going to be 56 games and we're going to see a lot of not new rivalries grow, but it's going to be heated. We might, we're going to see more fights. I mean, I think the ducks and the Kings are playing each other for their first five games. I mean, with all these teams playing each other, it's going to be a very fun season to watch, even if it is only 56 games. And especially in the playoffs, whatever four teams make it, they're going right back to playing each other out of a seven-game seven series. So I'm very excited for, you know, this January 13th and just kind of seeing how the season opens up. I think this is good for hockey. Uh, uh, I know it's not a very popular opinion, but I think it's going to be good, you know, it's like I said, four temporary divisions – uh, we'll just it's gonna be a lot more interesting and I'm excited for it it's kind of like the playoffs last year right it's a new format and uh, it just kind of got more people into it then again there wasn't you know sports on for a long time so we were, we were willing to watch anything but it is what it is all right moving over to MLB uh, it is the it is the off season but let's talk about the slam Diego Padres two blockbuster trades earlier this week uh and I, they didn't even give up that much for him. They they uh, added to their bullpen. So we know they already have Chris Paddock, who had a phenomenal year. They traded for Mike Clevenger, who I think he pitched like one or two games then had Tommy John, and he's out for all of next season, and he missed last year's postseason. Um, but they'll get him for, you know, 2022. And then they went out. They traded for the left-handed pitch out of Tampa Bay, Blake Snell. Most of you all know him from Game 6 of the World Series getting pulled after having one of the best starts of his career. Um, but yeah, they didn't give up that much. They gave up their number three prospect and 23 overall prospect uh, in the MLB, uh, Luis Patino. He's a right-handed pitcher. 
they gave up another right-handed pitcher in Cole Wilcox. Um, he's their seventh overall prospect. They gave up two catchers, Blake Hunt and Francisco Mejia. Uh, Blake Hunt's a younger guy. Uh, I think he was second round in 2019 or 2020 maybe. And then uh, Francisco Mejia is a he was a number 15 overall prospect a few years ago for the I want to say the Dodgers. Um, but uh, he was a great prospect who just hasn't quite panned out uh, as, he, as he should. But then again, he hasn't had as much of an opportunity. Tampa Bay does need a catcher, so getting Francisco Mejia, who has, you know, he has service time already up in the, uh, up in the majors. It'll be interesting to see how he develops. Uh, but yeah, the Padres got Blake Snell, a left-hander to add to their rotation. And, you know, they're looking really good, and they're just looking young and inexperienced. That's the only knock I have against them. Uh, but apparently Blake Snell wasn't enough. They needed a right-handed pitcher. So they went over up uh, to Chicago on the north side. I think I think the Cubs are north side. They went to trade with the Cubs. They got you, Darvish. Now they gave away Zach Davies, who was, you know, one of their starting pitchers last year. And then they gave away two outfielders and two shortstops. Uh I don't think any of these prospects they gave away are that big, and I think Chicago is just kind of loading up on prospects. Uh, they're just kind of having a, not a fire sale, but you know they're shipping people out, trying to save some money and have like a small little rebuild over there. Uh, but they the Padres got back in return right-handed pitcher Yu Darvish and his personal cat personal catcher Victor Caratini, uh, and then they got some cash for him uh, for all their prospects as well. So yeah, they added two all-star pitchers who, if you know, if they can pitch, you know, close to their best, San Diego is going to have the top rotation, uh, better than the Nationals, um, especially in 2022 when Clevenger comes back. And I'm pretty sure, I think you Darvish is going to be here for that season. If not, I'm sure they'll have they have Mackenzie Gore, who they have as a prospect. They can trade for someone else. Uh, San Diego had crazy amount of you know younger players to use in tra- as trade bait. Um, moving on to the next segment. Moving on to the next segment, we're going to talk some college football, college basketball, just college sports in general. Last but not least, let's talk my opinions on you know what's going on in college sports right now. So uh, there's not much to say, but so for football, I'm just going to talk about the playoffs. Uh, I don't know that much about all these other teams. I mean, I know like Washington or. Mississippi State got a game, and they only had two wins. Like, the bowl games are just weird this year. But uh, Bama-Notre Dame, uh, uh, it shouldn't be close. Bama's clearly the best team. Notre Notre Dame is <sighs> all right. I mean, are they the fourth best team? Probably not, but who cares? They're playing Bama. They're going to get destroyed. Uh, and if they don't, it's because Bama stopped trying. They're focused on Clemson. Because when you look at Clemson and Ohio State, Ohio State does not look great. Justin Fields probably should stay in college for another year, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but Ohio State is just not as dominant as they should be. They had close wins against Indiana and Northwestern. And just Clemson, once they destroyed Notre Dame whenever Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence came back. And I don't know. Something to keep in mind, though, Clemson's offensive coordinator has tested positive for Corona. Uh, and he will be missing the semifinal. So Clemson will be without their offensive coordinator, who has been there all of Trevor Lawrence's career. Uh, so 
it shouldn't be that big of a deal. I think I think this is his fourth year there. It shouldn't be that big of a deal, but just keep that in mind that they're missing their play caller on offense. Clemson should beat Ohio State, though, no problem. And then when it comes to Bama and Clemson, the final, I think Bama is the best team. But um, I'm thinking of how Florida tore up Alabama's defense. And I think Clemson's offense is probably better. And I think their defense is definitely better than Florida's. Because for the first time forever, Florida did not have a defense. Um, so if Clemson can stop Bama on just a few more drives than Florida did, and they can also convert, you know, a little bit of a little more third down conversions than Florida did, I think they can get a win. And uh, in, unless Bama's defense can you know turn around from what happened in that Florida game, because they could not stop Kyle Pitts or Kadarius Tony. Uh, so if somehow. I mean, also, Florida couldn't even run the ball in that Bama game. So everyone knew they were passing it. And Bama's defense still couldn't stop them. So if Clemson, you know, like I said, they might be missing their offensive coordinator, but I doubt it for the for the championship. But if they can just have a good balance of running and throwing it and just if Trevor Lawrence just plays, you know, how we know he – how good we know he is, I think Clemson should win that game unless Bama's defense steps up. But – um, Bama's probably the better team, but just Clemson is unpredictable, I guess you could say. Um, so yeah, I have Clemson winning and I, <laughs> I think the total score is going to be around 90 points. Uh, you know, it, it only sounds crazy till it happens, right? Uh, talking about college basketball now, not much to say. I haven't watched a ton of it lately. Uh, Gonzaga and Baylor are the clear two best teams. I, I don't think you could make a debate for another team to be in the top two. Uh, there's no argument for it. Uh, Kansas is ranked number three. They've been hot lately. Uh, they're not quite Baylor Gonzaga, but they do have a big team, big game versus UT on Saturday. Um, I think Kansas will win. My question is, how is it going to be dominant? Is it going to be close call? Like, how's the game going to go in general? I, and I really want to watch that game just to see, you know, how good is Kansas really? Um, Rank number five, U of H, uh, Houston, hopped into the top five. Uh, Houston is one of those teams that's very weird. Uh, as in, are they, you look at them and they don't, they don't have a star player. Uh, and I, a lot of people know that's not news. They don't have a star player, but they play hard the entire time. Uh, I don't know if there's another team in the country that plays as hard as Houston does. And they're really good at rebounding. Uh, one of the top offensive rebounding teams in the nation. And yeah, they don't, there's not a guy you can just give the ball and, you know, let them take the last shot. They're a, they're a great team. They have a great big man. I think his name is Grisham. Uh, they have a great big man who is just kind of like the heart of that team. Uh, and even if he's not, you know, making flashy plays or doing stuff without him, you know, everyone else just kind of loses it. I've watched a lot of being in Houston and liking the Cougars. I've watched a lot of U of H basketball this season, and that's just what I see from the team. Uh, Player-wise, they don't have any studs, but as a team, together, they're phenomenal. And they did lose, you know, I won't say heartbreaking, but a hard-fought game against a Tulsa team that is kind of the same as U of H, right? Just not as, not quite as talented, not quite as together as a team. But they never, Tulsa never gave up. They they were always getting good rebounds on the boards, uh, 
and then they made two winning two free throws to take the lead by one with 0.1 seconds left against U of H. Uh, U of H made you know, a phenomenal shot uh, with I believe like 11.4 seconds left. Uh, Tulsa went down the court, gave it to you know their ball handler. He got fouled on a ridiculous floater shot. And, yeah, he sunk the the two free throws, take the lead by one. Uh, it was a good game. It was fun to watch. U of H didn't play their greatest. Uh, I don't think they should fall the top ten, but they probably will just because of the level, the talent level that they do play in the American Conference. But I still think they're a top ten team. They have good guard play. They play, de- they play good defense, and they can rebound, and that's what you look for in the tourney. Um, okay, moving on, just because – Illinois is, you know, a team I really like to watch this year because they're not really good at anything, any other sport, and they have a fun name, the Fighting Illini. Uh, but, yeah, I, I haven't heard about them since they hired Lovey Smith as their football coach, and they're just a team I want to cheer for. Um, they, they, they've they lost a few games, but they, they have some good conference games coming up that, you know, if they can get through January – undefeated or just with one loss against one of these conference teams, they can get out of there. So in January, the they have about they have five, you know, hard games that they have to play through. They got Purdue, Northwestern, Ohio State, Michigan State, and Iowa. Um and if they can get through that along with the other teams that they're gonna have to play, I think they'll move back into the top ten. And even even with a loss to Maybe not Purdue, but if they lose to Iowa or maybe Michigan State and win the rest, they still might be a top 10 team. The only problem with that is Iowa is at the end of January. And yeah, that's going to be all for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoy and uh, y'all have a happy new year.